0: You're listening to the Tidy Revival Podcast, where we explore the stories and emotions behind decluttering and home organization. I'm your host, Carly Adams, home organizer and creator of the Clutter-Free Home Process. Now, this is the time where I remind you that this is not a show for little ears. If your kids are in the room, please pause now. This show has an explicit rating. We're going deep. We're going through your shit while we're going through your shit. Now, let's get started. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited to bring you this conversation with a friend of mine, Robin Gray. She, I'll just go ahead and tell you her bio. We're going to jump right into the conversation. I've known Robin for a few years now. She is a personal friend here in Sacramento, California, but we have had conversations over the years about the intersection of her work and mine. And so now that it is a new year when this recording will be aired, I think this is just a great time to be sharing this conversation. And so without further ado, Robin Gray is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Sacramento, California, utilizing an integrative approach based on somatic experience therapy, a mind-body approach. She specializes in trauma, anxiety, and grief. Thank you so much for being here, Robin. Oh, thanks for having me, Carly. It's a pleasure. I am so excited. So I'm just going to jump on end to it. And okay. first, I'm going to have you tell us more about the work that you do.
1: Okay, cool. So like you said, I'm a I'm a licensed therapist and I'm in private practice here in Sacramento. I mainly work, well, I I work only with individuals, adults, and I specialize in trauma. So I which yeah. I specialize in trauma therapy, essentially. And I do utilize a mind-body approach. So with that, just really looking at how people carry trauma or anxiety and grief in their bodies, in addition to like the beliefs and thoughts that they have. With that, you see a lot of different types of symptoms, though, that a lot of people don't recognize as related to trauma or to their anxiety and grief. So I really, the work I do, I kind of... Like a lot of different people come to my practice, different walks of life. And yeah, we just kind of start slow and explore just how things are impacting them, not only in their everyday lives, but also physically and emotionally and mentally.
0: Amazing. So what drew you to this work specifically and why do you feel it's so important?
1: Good question. Specifically being a therapist, probably my own healing journey. I started going to therapy when I was uh, around like 18 or 19, just kind of being lost, you know, mm-hmm. not quite sure what my purpose was and whatnot. And, and so I found a really great therapist that it just felt really safe. At the time, I had no idea what I was actually working on, to be fair. <laughs> and, yeah. But it was such a good, safe experience for me to have an unbiased opinion and to have a safe space where I could really explore different parts of me Without feeling judged and shamed. And then it just kind of unfolded from there. Going to grad school, what really got me into the somatic work was in grad school, they really recommend that you do your own therapy, of course. It's really important that we have experience on both sides of the couch. Um, mm-hmm. And so doing that. And then I got really into yoga as just a way to de-stress and and started really noticing the mind-body approach and how more integrated I was feeling. I I explain this a lot to clients where a lot of us can feel like we have a thought, we have a belief, but it doesn't necessarily land in us. doesn't feel true. And what I've noticed with the mind-body approaches is that really helps integrate the two. So what we're thinking and and believing actually is how we're feeling. So it's been a really natural progression for me on that personal journey. And then in terms of my niche with trauma and anxiety and grief, that's just kind of unfolded pretty naturally too, just working with humans and recognizing that many people at their core have some kind of trauma in their past that is affecting what, how they're thinking today, how they're behaving today. And so I was noticing kind of without that lens, felt like my hands were tied and I could only get so far with people Mm -hmm. and it just felt like something was missing. And so that's when I really just started diving into the somatic work And, um, really learning more about trauma and the mind-body connection. And since then it's just, I use it with every client, whether they think they have trauma or not. I mean, I think if you live in the world, you're going to experience some kind of trauma at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's just been a really natural progression for me in terms of how it's unfolded in
0: that way. That's amazing. Are we friends on social media yet? whether your jam is Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, or Facebook, follow us at tidy revival for tips and updates. What are the misconceptions about the intersection of therapy and clutter that you end up helping people work through? Mm,
1: That's a really good question. I think. So a lot of people think coming to therapy is about being fixed. Right. And, um, and it's not. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing with anything that I'm working on somebody with that we try to deconstruct because it puts pressure on people they think then something's wrong with them and that just produces a ton of shame. With cluttering, you know, I really see that more as a symptom of other things going on for the person. And so Number one, we don't want to pathologize it. And I think in our society, we over pathologize things. You know, there's a show on hoarding that I think has its benefits because it helps people see that they're not alone and that this is actually not uncommon. Mm -hmm. But in terms of therapy and working on this stuff, I think the main thing is really helping people reduce their shame around it Mm -hmm. because it's not their fault, number one. Number two, as a therapist, a lot of the modalities I use, we really come from this belief that everything we think, everything we feel, and everything we do is trying to function for us. So when we're looking at behaviors that people are struggling with, like cluttering or stuff like that, where I really start with people before we even look at and I'm putting this in quotes, fixing it, is looking at one, how the person actually feels towards that behavior, because a lot of times people come to therapy and because somebody told them they need to come, Yeah. somebody else has a problem with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I really want to know how does that individual actually feel about what they're doing, which is a great assessment because there we can see if this person is carrying a lot of shame with this embarrassment, or if they already have a lot of self-compassion with it. Cause I think, you know, that's another thing is self-compassion is crucial when looking at making any changes in our life. So I always start with that, trying to figure out how does this person feel about it themselves? But then also, again, before we look at things to help change this is what is the function of us keeping these items what is the function of the clutter again that might sound kind of weird where people say oh no it's overwhelming it's stressful there is always though something that they are getting out of having this pattern in their life and if we don't highlight that it just really produces shame and with shame people become paralyzed or you know they they grip harder of this thing. So that is a big part of my work with people is really looking at how is this pattern actually serving you? You know, we are a consumer society and to be frank, shopping and bringing, buying things and whatnot, there's a dopamine effect. So why would we ever say to somebody, how dare you do this when you're to try to feel better? You know, it just makes sense. Our psyches are always trying to feel better. Mm -hmm. So That is probably the number one thing is really just deconstructing that shame and, and giving people the insight to see like, oh my gosh, wait, there is a reward to me doing this, whether it's avoiding overwhelm of looking at it or it's helping them, you know, like with grief, I know you do, you help people like through that, right. And decluttering with that, with grief, it's extremely common for people to want to keep things exactly the way they were. Prior to the loss,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, familiarity is a very important thing to our psyche and consistency. So again, we want to look at how that's serving the person and what that's actually doing to their nervous system, their psyche. And with that, it really, the light bulbs goes on in people and they start being so much kinder and softer with themselves. hmm And that I see is like really where they start seeing, okay, wait, I have more of a choice with this now.
0: Yes. Yes. Like not, this is me and I'm broken. You can't see the air quotes at home, but
1: exactly. And so many people come in feeling that way. Yeah. And that is a hard place to do any type of work. Yeah. So, um, so that's the big thing. The other thing is, you know, people don't come to me or you when they have, clarity about things. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of people really conflicted about it. And I do a lot of parts work or IFS with people. And so we will look at the different parts, the part of you that wants to get rid of this stuff. And then the part of you that is struggling to get rid of it, both of those parts of you are so important here. And if we don't look at both of them and see their goals, what they're valuing in this. It's it's really tricky for people. And, and typically if they just get rid of it, they'll just bring more stuff in because the part of them that was enjoying having this stuff or it was serving them in some way now is filling this huge void and not getting their needs met. So, so I also deconstruct in that way of just looking at the different parts of the person involved
0: in the process. Mm-hmm. Ugh. This episode is brought to you by the Clutter-Free Home Process, my online course community that teaches you the process I use with every client, including how to declutter and get things out of your home. Yes, including the tough stuff. We're also going to create simple systems and learn how to maintain it, all with personalized support and accountability along the way for six months. Learn more at tidyrevival.com forward slash course. Okay, there are so many things you were saying along this that I ended up grabbing a piece of paper and writing some (laughs) things down to circle back because the work that we do, and again, I say this all the time I am not a therapist. I'm not qualified in therapy in any way. But some of the, the things that you're talking about, I'm like, yes, 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 because this is stuff that comes up so frequently again and again and again in the work that I do and that I'm constantly talking to people about and reassuring them that you are not alone in this because it can feel incredibly isolating Mm -hmm. and that to your point, something's quote unquote wrong with you Mm -hmm. and everybody else can do it. Why can't I is the thing that comes up. And to your point, this comes up frequently. So I end up digging into this with people a little bit and oftentimes suggesting therapy, if they're not in it Mm -hmm. as a way to work through this, because I'm like this, 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 obviously goes outside of the realms of the things that we are going to work through. But I think if you haven't considered, this could be beneficial for you to emotionally work through it. And I really try and do that in a gentle way because depending on where somebody's coming from, that may or may not be. actually, usually it is because we're digging into the emotional stuff yeah. by that point. But, yeah, I hear a lot from folks you know, like I used to be able to keep up with this. I don't know what happened, but suddenly things got out of control. Mm -hmm. And I say, let's take a pause and let's talk through it because what's been going on in the last couple of years or what's been going on since that happened. And what we find a hundred percent of the time is that there has been a, what I call a triggering event and that can be illness in the family sick, sickness in the family you needing to take on responsibilities to care for people it can be a global pandemic mm-hmm. and suddenly having everything in your life switch as far as your schedule it can be divorce it can be a rough time in a relationship any of these things mm-hmm. can can trigger this change where suddenly you're not able to do as much as you used to because so much of your energy is spent taking care of this other thing and exactly. you just have to push pause on this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have it, I just want to like hear oh, from yeah. you. Have you found that to be the case as well?
1: Oh, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's so fascinating when, you no, know, that comes up in every session basically. And for them to see that connection can be so empowering because then yes. there's self-compassion, right? Of like, yes. Hey, this makes sense why I'm struggling. Yes. And look, we only have so much energy. And mm-hmm. so if our emotional energy needs to be going towards something else, no offense, but our house is going to take the back seat, you know, yeah. and for some people, they cope by being overly perfectionist in their home, but then they might be neglecting the other emotional stuff. So it mm-hmm. kind of is, it could be an interesting two-way street there, but yeah. And I think tracing it back, that's so good that you open that conversation up for people because right there, we're already reducing the shame of this makes sense, why you're not able to do the things that you once were able to. And also to touch on that is so many people, we hold ourselves to expectations of how we used to be, but we're not living in the here and now of like, what's, what am I capable of today? Mm -hmm. Right. And so just saying I used to be able to do this. What's wrong with me that I can't now? Well, right there, where that person's carrying a ton of shame with that, yes, um, or guilt, and so it's about deconstructing that and saying, like, look, you're a human being, and this makes sense, mm-hmm. and it's okay. It doesn't mean you can't get that back, or it's going to look different for you moving forward, mm-hmm. right? So we're constantly evolving, and I think that's really that's a hard concept for people when we feel like we're uh, regressing, but the reality is it's not. It's our system is compensating in other ways that are probably more important at that time in our life than keeping the house or this room a certain way.
0: Mm-hmm. And to your point earlier, something that I wrote down is ongoing work, because when you were talking about, and it falls into this as well, when people come to therapy, sometimes they can hope to get fixed. Mm -hmm. And when they come to work with me, they can hope to fix the problem and it can feel demoralizing if Mm -hmm. things take backtrack, if things backtrack a little bit in their systems or clutter returns, Mm -hmm. or they've realized that the therapy work isn't done. But what I talk to people a lot, like just really frequently about is reframing your thought around both of these types of work, honestly, to instead say, okay, you know, it's basically, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And by marathon, I mean, it's just going to be an ongoing thing for the rest of your life because we're, we're works in progress. Like my, my husband and I turn to each other sometimes we're like, oh, still not perfect. I guess I'll keep working on it. Like we're just not going to be perfect. And just like other things, like getting good sleep, eating balanced meals, movement, hydration. It's not going to be a one and done thing. It's going to be a little bit consistently will help you be the person that you want to be, but Mm -hmm. some days are going to be better than others. Some chapters will be better than others. And that's okay too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I am constantly saying to people, it's progress over perfection and People don't notice their progress if it's not tangible, right? So, like, I'm sure you run into that a lot with the cluttering. Oh, no, I brought more clutter in. And it's like, well, hold on. Look, you're aware of that this time instead of it being several years later and like, whoa, how did all this happen? So, even that insight and the awareness is huge progress. Huge. And um, yeah. So, and I think the most important thing we can do when we are in that progression is the self-compassion when it's not perfect, right? Because it's kind of like, you know, they used to say criticism is what motivates us. It does not. Research shows it does not. Kristen Neff does a lot of research on self-compassion. She's wonderful. And what actually shows is that criticism of ourselves paralyzes us. It takes us into a fight flight zone where then we just don't want to do anything. But the self-compassion piece, when we can say, okay, I'm doing the best I can in this moment with what I have, or yes, here's the progress. I have insight about this behavior now, even if the behavior hasn't changed, that's when we soften. That's when we can say like, okay, I can make a step forward because we're not, we're just not pouring all that stress hormones into us that ends up paralyzing us.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Hey, hon, are you looking to jumpstart your organization? Check out my free printable decluttering guide to give you inspiration on where to start. Just head to tidyrevival.com forward slash guide to get started. Something that I wanted to touch on too. Again, I'm just going to the things that I jotted down, but there's, I'm so excited about this. When you were talking about digging into the function of clutter, I think that that is absolutely huge because it's the, Sometimes it can lead to us figuring out the best system for that person. Mm-hmm. As one example, I, again, I am not a therapist, but something that I notice really, really consistently and have read about in books for like organizing for ADHD, something that we will also be talking about on the podcast this year is that this specifically fo- comes up with folks who have ADHD or their children have ADHD, but it is also very common with folks who may not identify with that is the feeling of, if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's easier for me and like more comfortable for me to be able to see everything so that I know where it is when I need it. Mm -hmm. And if it's behind closed doors, there's a really good chance I'm just going to forget about it. Mm -hmm. So in those cases, once I hear that, I say, that's great. Totally get where you're coming from. But then we're able to talk through some simple systems with some easy categorization with bins that are really easy to it's gonna. We're going to be like clear acrylic bins are your friend. We're going to slap a label on it too so that your brain doesn't have to do that extra work. There's going to be no lid on it. We're going to be able to easily grab what we need, easily put it back mm-hmm. and see where things are. But then the categorization will help us give items home so that we can maintain the system and so that you don't necessarily need to have everything out. You can also have that that tidy space that is going to help give you some more bandwidth mentally, mm-hmm. but you can still find things. And when we, we talk through those possibilities that can be a game changer, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to lose it. If I know yes. where it is even more easily than having everything out and I can, and I can easily find things when I need them, that can be the the game changer and the the flip and switch for people.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. And I, what I love about that is it's individualized
0: Yes, because
1: I think so many people think, um, organizing or decluttering, having your home kept up, whatever has to look one way. Mm -hmm. And, And it just doesn't, everybody is different with what works for them.
0: Yeah. And which is why, you know, in, in my course community, that's something that we end up talking about is thinking about how your brain works, what's good for you, macro versus micro organizing and leaning in to the things that feel good, because there's not going to be a should here. I'm not going to say you should have six shirts because I have six shirts. P.S. I don't have six shirts, but you know, it's, that's not how it is. We talk about creating solutions based on your individualized needs and your, hobbies and your household right. and everything. And it, it is a very personal process, but my role is to help you make the decisions that are best for you specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly.
0: Oh, uh, can we talk about the word Should for a little bit oh, because yeah. <laughs> I, I did a whole episode on it. And oh good, when, when, you were, <laughs> when you were talking about like the guilt that people feel and how yeah. people come to therapy because someone told them that they should do it. I'm just like, Oh, there's that word again. Yep. Can you, can you talk about that? And just
1: the oh, mindset yeah. around that? Totally. Well, I love the phrase stop shitting on yourself. Right. Yeah, and, I- and like It's so true. I think, you know, I was working with a client last night and she just said, she's like, I didn't realize until therapy, how much of an inner critic I had. And I think inner critics often carry that phrase. You should be doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so we walk around with that phrase in our head, just as if like we're breathing right mm-hmm. we don't even realize what it does to us and a lot of the work i do is everything we think our body feels so i experiment a lot with people of like when you say i should be doing x y and z how does that feel in you how does that land in your body and often people are like well i feel really tense or oh i'm holding my breath and it's like yeah okay that is affecting you then so i often a, a really quick shift for people is just saying change your should to could Ooh. I, could, I could do this because again, I think a big part of our human psyche at, at our core is we, we need our agency. We need autonomy when we have shoulds that is taken away from us. We have no choice then, right? Mm-hmm. Or if we make a different choice then we feel guilt and shame mm-hmm. because we should have done this and that's in quotes. And so by simply changing the phrase to, I could do this again, it softens people and it gives us a choice because then we can say, well, okay, where was that should coming from? Is that something external that's put on us by society? Maybe the way we were raised, maybe other people's values. And when we can externalize where it's actually coming from, a lot of people realize like, wow, that's actually not aligned with my values. That's Mm -hmm. not aligned with how I, how I would talk to my own child right? I do a lot of inner child work. And so a lot of deconstructing that. Um, So yeah, I think it's really just pointing it out to people, seeing how it's actually affecting them, which can take a while because a lot of people are afraid to lose their shoulds. Um, Oh, mm -hmm. right. Cause then they think, well, then I'm going to be lazy or then I'm not going to do anything. And it's like, well, let's, let's experiment with that and actually see if that's true
0: Mm -hmm. or rejecting ideas from their family structure, their friend structure, what they got on Instagram as a heavy-handed suggestion.
1: Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Instagram, TikTok, all those things lately, especially in the pandemic, that's really been prevalent of shaming people. I think there's not enough room for nuance there. So it it just, it doesn't leave enough room for the human experience, but But yeah, so it's just really about looking at it and how that's actually affecting people and for them to see, okay, that's actually harming me more than it is motivating me or Mm -hmm. supporting me with my goals.
0: I love it so much. We had such a great time during this conversation and it ended up being a little bit longer than we'd previously planned. So we decided to make it a two-parter and we're going to drop the second half of this episode next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you want to learn more about how I can help you, head to TidyRevival.com to learn more about how I work with people one-on-one or in our clutter-free home process private community. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll always have access to the latest episode. We would also love to hear your takeaways. Feel free to tag us at TidyRevival on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. The Tidy Revival podcast is written and hosted by me, Carly Adams, and edited by Brittany McLean. Title song, Maverick, is by Dresden the Flamingo. And until next time, remember that you got this.